0: Welcome to the TPL Show, a podcast dedicated to the study and discussion of leadership. Join us as
1: we share relevant, simple, and lasting methods for improvement that can be used to lead from any level in any organization.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to the TPL Show. This is Dave Cahill. And this is Luke. And we're here today to do the second part of a two-part series on leveraging the benefits of evenness. All right. Our focus today will be using evenness as a rally point in uncertain times. Mm. That's good. So uh, last time we talked about what evenness was yep. and and its, its value and how to uh, establish evenness in an organization. We'll cover that again very briefly, and then we'll get into the specifics of how you leverage evenness when you're in crisis or dealing with highly uncertain times. So let's start. Let's talk about uh, what is evenness again in just a general summary. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Great. So I'm going to just dive right in and cover that very quickly. So evenness is a constancy of flow or condition that results in a beneficial outcome. So in business, evenness is a state in which those involved in a process or invested in an outcome can count on inputs, processing, and outputs that are regular, consistent, and predictable. Evenness is also a matter of perspective. What some perceive as an even output at one point in a process can be preceded or followed by frenzied or erratic flow. So often, evenness is a local point of view. And there's two types of evenness. Enterprise evenness, that's the degree to which an organization's value streams are even. One of the best metrics for enterprise evenness is forecast accuracy. And local evenness, that's the degree to which key performance indicators or important conditions are even from the perspective of those who work in a particular process, system, or department. So that's a real quick recap on what is evenness if you want a richer explanation of what evenness is. Of course, you can go back to the previous episode and uh, we spell it all out there, but let's, let's move on and let's talk about why is evenness important?
1: Uh, Luke, can you cover that for Mm -hmm. us a little bit? Yeah. Let's review the why that we talked about uh, in episode 12, the previous episode. So uh, we talked about three different reasons on the why we've kind of been following this format for the last few shows. So we have the rational reason, the emotional reason, and the tangible reason. So the rational reason of why evenness is important is when you have a high degree of evenness in a process, you can predict the outcome. What you can predict, you can control, and what you can control, you can improve. So evenness provides that uh, platform for optimization. Mm. Yeah, very true. The emotional reason, evenness reduces surprises and the need to react to them. So, evenness reduces stress, anxiety, fatigue. So, in other words, it reduces overburden, which is also called muri and Yeah, in lean manufacturing. Yeah. This enables the customer of the process, both internal and external, to benefit from the certainty of on-time delivery that meets quality specifications. Critically important. Yeah. And the tangible reason is a high degree of evenness allows those working the process to fine-tune it because they seldom fight any fires. This transition from that firefighting phase to fine-tuning, it drives variations and waste out of the process, and it increases velocity and quality. So evenness is a key competitive advantage that is free, in the sense that it only costs the will to keep working on it. Perhaps most importantly, when people see that their leaders are relentlessly striving for this, striving for that evenness, it uh, inspires them to action.
0: Man, does it ever. It yeah. really does. When you've got your leaders committed to making the place so even that you never have to work
1: a weekend, you're behind them all the way. Right. You know what to expect at all times. So yeah. it's it's that consistency that really counts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's what, those are the three uh, reasons behind the why. So we reviewed the what and the why from the previous episode, just to kind of give a quick uh, background and filler uh, before we jump into the how. So let's do that next. All right. So as we begin to think about the how-to
0: in this episode, mm-hmm. I want to remind everyone that we covered how to establish evenness in an organization, how to foster a culture that promotes evenness, and how to use evenness in general for the benefit of the customer and employee's Uh, and stakeholders, et cetera, in in the last episode. So that how-to applies here, but we're going to go beyond that and talk specifically about how to use evenness as a rally point during uncertain times, periods of crisis, et cetera. Okay. So um, let's get into that. Oh, by the way, the the how-to that we describe is going to rely on— operational excellence tools, and lean manufacturing yes. tools that we provide and teach at Avenulo. Yes, we do. And we'll cover those briefly, not in any great detail. Right. We'll also have information about those tools in show notes. And, of course, we're going to do episodes specifically yeah. we'll, on each
1: one of these tools that we mentioned in the yeah, near we'll future. Have, yeah, we'll have shows, shows on each one of these tools. Yeah. And we'll just kind of get into the detail of each one. Yeah.
0: So... That'll provide a curriculum for you if you want to really study about evenness Mm -hmm. and how to build evenness in your workplace, both during quote-unquote normal times and during um, times of uncertainty, you can um, string these episodes together and use them as a learning guide. So let's go ahead and
1: get into this how-to. Okay, before we jump into the how, uh, I was just wondering something. So given the fact that we've talked about the different the three different reasons under the why. Mm-hmm. And we briefly briefly revisited the how of the previous episode. Sure. Uh of using evenness in certain times. Uh-huh. So using evenness in uncertain times as a rally point, does that kind of focus in on the emotional reason? Or does it still uh. does it still touch on the rational and the tangible also? Or does it is the main focus kind of Right in that emotional area.
0: Yeah, that's a great point.
1: So this idea of establishing evenness in your organization
0: as a general approach, as a general cultural element, yeah. is one thing. Okay. Right? Establishing, or, or better said, leveraging this idea of evenness as a rally point during crisis or uncertain times is another. It does kind of... Um, at least accentuate some elements of the why is it important. So I think it's, I'm so glad you brought that up, right? So imagine you had some instability in an organization that only the leaders knew about. Mm. For instance, the um, customer that takes 70, 80% of your product has canceled their order. Yeah. No one else knows, Just just you leaders know. Or there's some financial instability in the organization. The employees at the Gemba at the place where right. value is added for right. the customer, they don't know. So there's no anxiety for them, even though there's anxiety for you, right? Okay, and and you may think then, you know, if you keep this hidden from them, emotionally speaking, um, they're in an even place, and that's good. the The downside of that is you're missing out on an opportunity to get help from whatever the number is, 10, 20, 50, 100, 1,000 minds that right. could be brought to bear on the problem, 100, 1,000, 10,000 years of experience that could be brought to bear on the problem, and so on. So um, so that's a consideration that really accentuates this, I- this idea of, of the emotional. On the other hand, when you involve people and make them aware of the situation, they're going to share in the anxiety, right? And so that can push anxiety mm-hmm. as a more important, or fear or concern, as a more important element in the why is this important. Uh, and that that's, that's a consideration that you have to think about as you go through and do this assessment. But in the end, as with everything we're trying to communicate in the TPL show, everything is a people issue. Right. And the emotional side of of uh, the why is where we really talk mostly about the people issue. So when you're in crisis, you tend to focus on the crisis, you're very urgent, or you have this uncertainty, you focus on that, you're you're very focused and urgent on it mm-hmm. and so forth, and you overlook the people stuff when it's the most important. I I think it's really important that you brought that up. So you're busier than ever, but you'll have to be concerned about the people equation more than ever got it during this uh, okay. this type of time that makes right? sense yeah so
1: um, okay man, I'm glad you brought that up. that's very important. <laughs> yeah it was just a, it was more yeah it was just curiosity on my part so yeah good
0: curiosity. So how let's get into the how for this one right okay. So the first how is if you've got time, Follow the the how-to yes. in the previous episode. Part one of leveraging the benefit of evenness. Um, what is evenness? That's the title of that episode. Go to the how-to there. Study that how-to and follow that how-to to yeah. the degree you can. But you have to remain. You have to move as fast as is dictated by the uncertainty or the crisis. So you have to take that into account. And if you have to sacrifice omit, truncate some of those steps in order to keep up with the uncertainty of the crisis, then then do so, right? Um, So that's the first how. The second is declare the situation openly and use a formal set of written talking points as a guide. So develop a formal set of points, here's the Mm -hmm. problem, describe the problem, um, and then start to spell it out so that as other leaders in the organization talk about it, they can follow these talking points, right. and you can have a consistent message that's not uh, filled with opinion and right. speculation and, and so forth. And, and so at so on. this
1: point, you've—because you just briefly talked about how uh, the uncertainty might not be known by everybody. Yeah. So this is— Essentially, at the point where you make it known to everybody, you make like, it okay, known, you declare is, it. Yeah, this, this is, is a situation. This, this is, is an emergency. This what, is a whatever it is that we're right? dealing with, right? So this is, uh, we recognize it. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Right? So this is, and this is all prepared ahead of time. Obviously, it's not done, you know, flyby. But uh, yeah, getting that formal set of written talking points yep. as the guide to follow, and just say, hey, this is. We recognize this. This is what we're going to do about it. Uh, and this is how we're going to handle it.
0: Yeah. And when you, when you do this, when you conduct this exercise with your leaders, maybe you have people that specialize in communication or right. human resource people. So when you do this, it clarifies it in your mind. It prepares you to talk about it. It takes some of the fuzziness that you're experiencing about it and forces you to clarify it and so forth. So it's a very, very, very good thing to do. So now you have that brief the subordinate leaders in your organization on the situation and then cascade and reinforce your message throughout the organization. So teach them: here's the message, here are the talking points. Do not deviate from these. Do not opine. Do not speculate. I want you to communicate in this way. Right. I want you to bring back any information you receive, you know, so forth and so on. So, so that's um, the second how is declare the situation. So you're describing the situation clearly in simple everyday language. You describe the impact on the process the impact on those who work the process both suppliers and employees and the customer so what's the impact of this situation and you use tangible descriptions relatable examples realistic timelines and numbers as much as yeah, possible good data to yeah. to describe it right so that's the second how okay. the next one number 3 is spell out everyone's role be very specific about how their role is different now than it is during normal times. Yeah. Yeah. What's specifically different? Clearly indicate who will lead, um, what aspects of the situation, even if it seems painfully obvious, do that. Spell it all out in detail and also set the expectation that everybody in the organization has to be ready to help. They have to remain flexible, cooperative, and engaged in a positive way. So,
1: is this different than the talking points that you're? That no, it can you, be included in the talking points, yeah. right? These are just some um, of the details that are within us, right?
0: So, what what can happen is uh, you can declare this thing with these talking points. That can be the first round of communication. Now everyone's getting it that there's that this situation. Yeah. You can come back and have a second round of communication. Mm-hmm where you summarize that situation and then spell out everyone's role. With additional it, detail, yeah. yeah. it works yeah. very nice if you hit this in iterative rounds of communication that as opposed sense. to um, everything at once. Okay. So there's a a great book on this, which is Crisis Leadership Now by Lawrence Barton. And in that, for instance, he talks about the roles during crisis, and he says every crisis should have a commander of of the tactical stuff you're going to do, a crisis commander okay. and a communication leader, two Got it. two roles, two right? Separate people. So you may want to adopt his philosophy and spell that out. I, I would certainly get his book and and review it. It's it's very very good. Um, and another one that's also very good is Crisis Ahead by Edward Siegel. These two are very nice practical books on how to prepare for and navigate through uncertain times and crises. And they um, are sufficient on theory and long on application. Got it. So uh, very, very nice books to, uh, to have in your collection to refer to in the study. So that's number three. Number four is to create an organization-wide or enterprise-wide help chain oh, for the issue. So we just did an episode yes. on help chain. You can uh, refer to that, re- reverse cascade. We also call it an escalation protocol. Yep. So in essence, you want to put in an escalation protocol so that when people are seeing things related to this issue or this situation that needs attention, they have a, a formal and spelled out mechanism for uh, putting that into the system and making sure that everyone... Uh, Knows knows what's going on, yeah. and you can create a, a response
1: for it. That's so a great it. way to use that practical tool.
0: Yeah, so very like very it. nice way. So, and that's one of that's one of the tools that we talked about. Um, you'll rely on in leveraging evenness. So, leadership tools and management tools, um, at least our mm-hmm. inventory of tools, are designed to bring about evenness. And these tools are very helpful during these types of uh, crises and uncertain times to leverage the evenness that you have uh, to help address the the issue or the situation that you are dealing with. So the next is to establish an obeya room and well, use.
1: So, yeah, you are gonna have to. Okay, so yeah, let, let's explain what Obeya sure. room is because sure. I really didn't know this till the first time I heard it too. So okay, this is good.
0: All right, so this is a, a foundational tool in lean manufacturing. It comes from the Toyota production system, and Toyota uses it a lot, and others do too. You've also heard it called a war room, Ah. a green room, a craft room. In craft, they called them green rooms. So so the original term for this is an Obeya room, O-B-E-Y-A. And there's an Obeya association you can go to and get information. Mm. But they have... 11 principles, design principles, for how to set up and operate in Obeya Room. So this is a command center for the situation. You want a physical space. Mm. You want it to be quiet in that space. People can go there and reflect. Focus. They can focus, work, uh, communicate, and so forth, right? All the information about the situation is there, et cetera. And there are four elements to Obeya, and then 11 principles we're not gonna cover all of them here, just to know that you should establish an Obey a Room and that these 11 principles will help you design an effective Obey a Room. And they're centered around mindset, alignment, the workspace itself, and the content in the workspace. So we have a link to uh, um, these 11 principles in the show notes so you can get them and you can Perfect. find them in other places as yeah. well. The bottom line is, you've got to have a command center and obey a room.
1: Yeah, for this, it it. Uh, you see this in the movies all the time. Sure, when there's a crisis, and or and, s- situation. and this is where <laughs> yeah. it comes from. It comes from World War II. It specifically
0: comes from the British trying to stave off uh, air attacks from the uh, from the Germans in World War II. Okay, the British had enough fighter planes to stave off the attack but where would the attack be right they didn't have enough to just line the entire coastline so they had to establish um kind of watch posts and surveillance posts and then that all fed into what we now call an Obeya room they called a command center yeah. right and then based on that they'd get advanced information and they'd sh- they'd send or shuffle their uh, sufficient but limited air power to where, where the uh, Germans were going to attack next, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that got applied to many things in life and, of course, to business, and eventually we see it being called an a Room. Uh, yeah. So the next thing is to identify all the actual and potential interruptions to flow. Now this is very key. This is the way to look at this. Look at this situation in terms of interruptions to flow, where are you going to experience some interruption that will keep flow f- from happening? In other words, keep you from fulfilling um, th- the needs and the wants of your
1: customer. And this is a heavy focus at this point.
0: Yeah, this is
1: this. So you've
0: got your your organization alert. Everyone knows we have this situation. Right. They understand their role. Uh, you've got an obey room established so that we know where all of you know this stuff will collect, all the information will collect, people will decide and think and reflect. You've got a help chain established that sends that information uh, related to the situation into the obey room and so on. So now what you want to do is start to actually do the planning and the reacting to the situation, right? Yeah. So the way to do that is to think about what interruptions to flow you're actually experiencing now, at what level, and if they got worse, and what other potential interruptions exist. And a great way to do this is to use FMEA, Hmm. Failure Mode Effects Analysis. This is a great tool where you can just list all the interruptions to flow and then rank them. And you can rank them using the PRN or the Risk Priority Number, which is a great way to um, put everything in order of of uh, what's the most important to least important. Got right? it. Yep. And this is this this three factor system has um, severity, it has occurrence, and it has detection. So, how serious would the problem be? Severity how often could the problem surface, mm-hmm. um, occurrence, and then detection, how well can you tell it's going to come or see it once it's, once it's arrived, once this interruption has arrived, so um, or this cause of interruption has arrived. So each one of these is rated on a scale of 1 to 10. So for instance, when you talk about severity, 10 is it could endanger the machine or the operator, if it's not addressed, it could be hazardous without warning. It could endanger a a patient or a customer, that kind of thing. Nine, a little bit less severe. Eight, it could cause a major disruption in the production line, a loss of primary function of a machine, or maybe a hundred percent scrap. Seven, a little bit less severe. Six, um, it could cause a kind of a medium level disruption for production and some possible scrap, um, and so on. So as you go from 10 down to 1, the severity gets less. As you go from 10 down to 1, the frequency of occurrence gets less. And then it it flips. If your detection is very, very high in advance, that's a 10. And as the detection in advance becomes less noticeable, or uh, the detection while it's occurring ultimately becomes less noticeable down to you don't even know it's happening right. that's a lower score so
1: you so can then you have use, a, like a calculation or something it's uh, like
0: a calculation okay. so you can have a conversation using these templates about each potential interruption to flow it generates a lot of rich conversation ultimately the group comes to consensus about the score for severity the score for occurrence the score for Um, detection, Mm -hmm. and then you multiply those. So if each one was a 10, that's a 1,000 points, 10 times 10 times 10. If you had one that was 10 for severity, but only one for occurrence, and then 5 for detection, you've got a 50, and so on. So now you can simply rank these in terms of the most potentially damaging to flow, most most uh, severe interruption of flow to least severe, and then you can start to work on preventive actions and, and contingent actions, so preventive actions, what you would do to keep that problem from occurring, contingent actions, what will you do to keep the problem small if it does occur, and you can put those plans right in line with that assessment, and you can assess again and say, if we did this, what would the new score be? Put the new score, see how much you reduced it by, and see if it then changes the priority and so on. So FMEA is a, just an excellent way to look at all the potential interruptions to flow and uh, manage them, right? Um, that really but,
1: breaks th- that really breaks things down for you, and yeah, allows you to see the details and say, okay, make a make a very uh, educated decision
0: on Absolutely. what you need to do. And it promotes this rich, thorough conversation, and you arrive at consensus. Yeah. So that's that's all really great. We teach FMEA in a simple and practical way. Yep. So um, m- many other people do too, right? It's a well-established um, tool in lean manufacturing and operational excellence. So now you've got them ranked. You've got all of, of your potential interruptions to flow and your actual interruptions to flow identified and ranked. Then what you can do is devise plans and backup plans just using potential problem analysis. So we look at this this potential interruption to flow, and we ask, what are the likely causes of it? Each one of those likely causes we can ask, how could we best prevent it? Once we determine the preventive action, we can load that into our plan as an action that we actually take, uh, assign it to an owner and a date and, and all that. We can then also look back at the problem and say, if this problem occurred, what would we do to keep it small? We can then develop a contingent action. This is exactly what firemen do. Mm. Firemen look at the risk associated with a fire, and yep. they ask, what could we do to prevent it? And they come up with codes, inspections, training kids in school to be junior fire marshals and go
1: inspect yep. their homes. They're constantly looking for all the things that might cause a fire. Right.
0: Yeah. And then also, if the fire does occur, how do they put it out quickly? Best how practices. do they keep it from spreading? Yep. And so on. How do they know if a fire occurred? The alarm goes off. So there's a contingency alarm that everyone's agreed to. If 911 uh, gets the call, if if the klaxon in the firehouse rings, they all know what to do. They don't stand around thinking, what should we do? They They have it all rehearsed, ready to go, and they know what to do if that alarm goes off. We can adopt those same principles with our backup plans. And we can break down the level of severity. That's entirely up to us. We can say... 600 and above is uh, a most likely interruption. Uh, From 400 to 600 is a likely interruption. Below 400 is an interruption. We we could create any scale we wanted, but we could then go back and say something like this. For the most likely interruptions, we'll have a plan and two backup plans. For the likely interruptions, we'll have a plan and one backup plan. Mm. And for the interruptions that could occur, but... Not so likely. We'll have at least a plan. plan. So in this way, we can kind of bring order to the madness. Mm -hmm. Those plans are laid in advance. We know what we'll do if it happens. We'll know what we'll do to prevent, and we begin to work the situation. So that's number six. Okay. The seventh and last, as a leader, is significantly increase your presence at the Gemba, the place where value is added. Yep. Get there often, keep awareness high, react thoughtfully to what you're seeing at the Gemba and what you're learning in the Obeya room, and be ready to reset, reshuffle as the situation unfolds. You have to stay light on your feet, stay calm, stay aware, keep everyone inspired and engaged, um, react to the facts, and don't direct, but orchestrate. So allow those people you've placed in charge to respond according to the plans and the standards you've set. Provide them with the resources they need. Remove barriers for them. Don't panic. Don't direct. Orchestrate.
1: And I like that. Don't direct. Orchestrate.
0: Yeah. And, and that's how you work your way through this crisis and you use evenness because you're going to meet every day about this. You're going to talk about it the same way. You're going to review the plans that you have and it's going to create evenness and order. And you're going to leverage that evenness as a, as a way to rally everyone um, so that they can defeat this situation, defeat this uncertainty or crisis that you're dealing with. Mm. Very
1: cool. I like it. All right. So uh, just, just a quick review of key tools uh, that we will have available. So uh, first thing you can do, you can write us at the info dot uh, org email uh, for a free guide on leveraging the benefits of evenness. Uh, just let us know you'd like some more information. We'll send that to you. Uh, we will have the full show notes and the transcript of the show uh, listed in your player of choice. And then we'll add a couple links uh, to the books that we discussed um, and then just some definition uh Definition things from Wikipedia, so like o- about Obeya rooms, uh, and then a couple of articles about uh, how Lean can help in a crisis, and then coping with crisis through Lean and Agile thinking. So, uh, we'll we'll add that all to the show absolutely. Notes. And of course, we've got these tools that we talked about:
0: failure mode effects analysis, yes. potential problem analysis, and the others. Um, they're available elsewhere, but we also have them. We can provide this crisis. Um, planning and crisis reaction. From our perspective, it's leveraging evenness as a rally point um, during uncertain times. Um, It's a curriculum for us that we can teach your organization and help you to establish. The best um, prescription for dealing with uncertain times and crisis is to have a healthy culture. Focus on your Purpose, vision, and values, animate those, m- make those alive in your organization. Strive for evenness as leaders. That creates a healthy culture. When your culture's healthy and there's a crisis or some uncertainty, people stick and they fight for the organization. Yeah, it's true. When it's unhealthy, they Believe. flee. And, and the, the people that flee are the ones who can, and those are the most talented people that can most likely help you resolve the situation. Yeah. you don't want to lose those. So your best insurance policy against uncertain times and crisis- Strong culture. Strong culture, strong healthy culture. Mike. And the only way to get that is with good leadership, giving people time to think, plan, and lead. There you go.
1: Thanks for listening today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. Uh, we appreciate any feedback that you're willing to give us. And if you have any questions or just like to share any experiences that you've had, please send us an email at info at And we will see you next time on the TPL Show. So long.
0: Thank you for listening to the TPL Show. We hope you'll apply what you learned today and tell us how it went. If you want to share, want more information, or have questions, please contact us at info at Have a great day.